Welcome to BSD Talk number 27. It's Thursday, March 23rd, 2006. We only have an interview today, so I'm going to jump straight to it. Tonight on BSD Talk, we're speaking with Marco Pereboom. He's a developer with the OpenBSD project. So I want to welcome you to this podcast and uh, give you an opportunity to talk a little bit about the upcoming 3.9 release. So I guess, you know, the first question would be, what are you looking forward to in this upcoming release? So that's a complicated question because, uh, obviously, I use OpenBSD all over the place. It's my, my primary uh, workstation. Even though I don't use it at work that much, I, I do try to implement it as much as I can in, in, for my daily stuff. So for myself, for my very selfish needs, I run obviously my websites on it. I run my mail servers on it. And, and just about everything that I do that doesn't require some sort of graphical crazy stuff, uh, I use it for. So um, for myself, I'm going to be starting deploying and upgrading all my boxes that I use my website on. So I, I use, for example, an HPPA firewall. Uh, so that one is going to be upgraded to 3.9 and um, use some of the newer features in, in PF. And... Um, there were features actually in Span and SpanD and all that good stuff. Uh, my mail server is a helplessly old Spark 64 running OpenBSD 3.2-ish, I guess. So that one definitely needs some help. And then I run a uh, i386 web server. And a friend of mine actually keeps all his websites on it. So I really don't touch that thing. And But that thing is an old 3.3 that also needs to get upgraded. So that, that's my very personal selfish needs at this point. And could you describe what work you normally do with the OpenBSD project? Well, I sort of started out doing mostly storage and SCSI mid-layer stuff, and um, and that's what I mostly do. So for 3.9, I actually got sort of sidetracked from that. I ended up doing uh, IPMI. and uh, IPMI, and, okay, yeah. Right. So it's, it's the, uh, what is it, Intelligent Platform Interface Management, I believe. So, and, and what that is, is, um, uh, that's actually really cool stuff. It's all the sensors that are on servers. So all, all the newer and the, uh, the more advanced servers have that protocol built in. And basically what it does is it keeps track of the fans, uh, it has temperature gauges to see how hot a server is running. Um, it has voltage regulators, so it sees how, uh, if, if something is within uh, the amount of power that it should be running at. So, and, and all that information is, is being made available. Uh, to the user space, and you can actually use that with sensors and sensors B, so you can actually bait somebody and say, hey, your server's on fire. <laughs> and is this uh, something that's predominantly on the i386 platform, or is it on other platforms also? So yes and yes, but it's also being used on AMD64. Great. And recently, you made an appeal for donations. I guess the OpenBSD project uh, is looking to increase their CD sales and, and funding. I don't know if you wanted to speak a little bit about that. Well, I, I really do, actually. So the email that I sent out was obviously an appeal for donations because uh, we have been uh, running in the red for a little bit, and obviously we don't want to be doing that. I mean, sustaining a project the size of OpenBSD is 
believe it or not, surprisingly costly. But then you have all the infrastructure that you got to run. There's just a lot of overhead involved. Network costs. I mean, TOP1 is very expensive. Uh, his power bill is extremely expensive because we do, we build everything natively. So if you get a Zaros snapshot, it was actually built on a Zaros. Um, so all those machines run 24 by 7 in, in his basement. So obviously that, that needs to be paid for. And we really, really appreciate all the donations that actually have come in. Thank you for that. Uh, one thing that I would like to mention, and actually I would like to appeal for as well, is we are really looking for some corporate types of sponsorships. So somebody who is willing to step up and basically say, hey, you got a hackathon, we'll pick up the app for that one. Could you describe what the hackathon is for people? Yes, I sure can. So hackathons are the, is the big get-together that we do. We have uh, a big one every year. At least we try to do one every year. The one uh, for 2007 is actually looking a little bit bleak because um, we are lacking some funding. But the idea is, is to have a hackathon, and that's where uh, the big one, most developers will actually try to show up. So most people will basically get on airplanes and go to Calgary for a full week, and it's a big get-together of all the developers hanging out, uh, writing code, and plotting strategy for the future. So stuff that normally is very slow through email that is obviously expedited quite a bit because you get some space time. And, and actually one of the side effects of hackathons is that we always figure out some sort of big bug that nobody would have figured out on their own, right, where you actually require a group of people with a different skill set to actually figure it out. But I mean, it's obviously a lot of fun for, for, for us when we're out there because you get to see some of these folks, and, and some of these people really become your friends. So it's a, it's a pretty tight group of people, and, and pretty much everybody gets along with each other. So it, it's, it's fun, one, and number two, obviously, is, is we develop a lot of good code and a lot of good ideas that are put into production, if you will, uh, during the next releases. And I, I wanted to, to touch on, on a different hackathon. So we also have uh, targeted hackathons. So those are very, very small. The idea is you basically just grab the people together that are that have the highest expertise in, in a certain uh, part of the system, and you get those people together somewhere in the world, and and you you do the same thing, but uh, but very very targeted. So for example, last year they had a Forge hackathon in Venice. So they flew. I believe it was around 10 people out there, and those 10 people basically made giant strides, actually, in, in, into the port system to making it a whole lot better. I really enjoyed watching just the port's tools improve recently for upgrading packages and ports. It's been great. Yes, it, it actually has been, been very, very good. And, and so one of the things that is directly measurable is the quality of those tools coming out of a hackathon. Because everybody just gets together, as I said before, and you just get to talk to each other instead of sending email back and forth. I guess there's a fair amount of trust that gets built meeting face-to-face, and this kind of development really does require a lot of trust. Yeah, it really does. I mean, uh, and you have obviously noticed that uh, the OpenBSD development model is pretty much no nonsense. Right? It's, it's, doing it, it's about doing the right thing and doing the right thing all the time. And that's actually what, uh, what sometimes makes it a little bit you know, rougher on the crowd, if you will, because somebody some, sometimes might want a feature, but you know what? If that feature is not right to the operating system, it will not happen. And, and so that, that's, uh, that's, that's the hard part of doing the right thing all the time and trying to do the right thing all the time. Yeah, I, I have noticed that the OpenBSD uh, developers really stick to their guns, as we say, with licensing and not trying to compromise for the sake of features. 
that that is correct. That is something that we that we are actually very proud of, and and it's sometimes it's actually pretty hard because we do get a lot of push from the community, a lot of push from from other areas, but um, there the, there is a lot of sanity built into the processes, the way we develop code. And as I said before, if if a piece of code is just not adequate, it will not make it into the tree, or it will be simply removed from the tree. So. So if you want to play in that sandbox, those are the rules you play by. You think uh, OpenBSD is going to keep its uh, record going pretty long here for no remote exploits in the default install, hopefully? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I'm, I'm obviously very, very confident about with uh, with OpenBSD. It's actually the thing that, that got me turned on to it. Is I was sick and tired of patching my box every other day in, in the hope that I was not going to get hacked. So, so for me, it's an, it's an important feature, but it's also a feature that uh, that I think God don't have to pay so much attention to, because we have so many good programmers that do such a great job that I can basically just use the system and and you know what, I just need to monitor the list every now and then to make sure that I don't have anything going on. And so I'm confident, but I can obviously not speak for the world. Yeah, I, I think the the upgrade process can be a little scary to. New users sometime. I know there's a lot of people out there who are used to you know, either double-clicking on Microsoft Update or using something like apt-get to update their whole system. Maybe you could describe the OpenBSD update process for people who aren't familiar with it. Sure. Actually, I, I'd argue that uh, the OpenBSD uh, upgrade process is actually more transparent than, uh, than apt-get, for example. I actually gave uh, Ubuntu the other day, uh, actually a, a, a go, just to see how it worked. And, and I found AppGet very confusing, actually, because it required me to do and know all kinds of things. So I will be the first person to admit that the installer for OpenBSD can be a little bit daunting, but it, it really is just a getting used to thing. People are, are I, I'll use the word spoiled uh, these days with graphical installers, but... Um, they are really asking the same questions, right? So is, is it that bad to type versus click? So in my opinion, it's not. I prefer to type into things real quickly and just get it over with. Now, from the upgrade perspective, it, it's using the same installer as you're used to when you actually install the system. But it will basically recognize your system as it is. And the only thing you have to do is hit enter a few times, and it will actually start upgrading your system. But I think the most complicated question is actually to type out the... Uh, you know, the path to the, uh, to the binaries so that it can actually download them. So if you go to the port side of it, guys like SP did a phenomenal job in making that completely transparent. So the way that works these days is uh, you basically do package add-u-r, and it, it'll basically go and upgrade all your ports. It will re resolve all dependencies, and it, it's actually, it does not get any simpler than that, really. Now, the, that port upgrade and replace feature, that's something that was introduced between 3.8 and 3.9, wasn't it? That is correct. Yeah. So that's one nice feature that will be in the uh, distribution on 3.9 if you haven't been following the snapshots. Uh, well, yeah, that, that's a, a, a great feature. It absolutely is. And, and I'm a person, I don't do anything in ports. So for me, it, it, I really enjoy the fact that I don't have to do anything about it. I said, okay, I want to upgrade my box and I just... Package add as you as are. Life is good. I guess another thing would be, you know, just your personal use of OpenBSD said uh, on the desktop. Maybe you could give the listeners some idea of the environment that you work in. Are you usually text only, or do you work in the X Windows system? And what desktop do you run? 
Um, well, I've been known to be a Spartan type of user. So I, I, you'll find me using Ion if I'm using uh, X, Ion or Red Poison, actually. I, I tend to do Ion more often. So uh, I have a very high resolution widescreen laptop, so I get to run 1920 by, by 1400. So I run basically three full-blown windows next to each other, and, and that's and that's my desktop right there. <laughs> so and I, I, yeah, it's not very complicated. I use a lot of screen, so the screen command to uh, to switch between text windows. That in VI in my life is uh, pretty much uh, described right there from a the development perspective. Ah, VI, okay. <laughs> Seems to be a pretty popular choice. Yeah, well, I, I'm sort of a little bit of an oddball. I, I'll admit I use Vim. Okay, I said it. Yeah. <laughs> That's my primary one. It's the only one I know is going to be there when I'm on something, so. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, is there anything else you'd like to let people know about OpenBSD or projects, other projects you're working on? Um, well, I'm working on a major project, but it is within OpenBSD. So I'm, I don't know if, I, actually, I got a lot of emails, so I think a lot of people figured it out. Um, Jordan Hargrave uh, and I actually are both working on, on ACPI, and that's, that is actually a, a a, a really a monstrous project. It, it's very large. There's a lot of code to be written, and there's a lot of code to be debugged. It's um, it's a very hostile environment, and we have, made, we have actually been making some progress, but it's been slow going. So that that is actually current, currently the the big thing that I'm working on. So on the side, and I've not spent enough time on this, and I really don't like that, but I do have a job that I need to attend every now and then. Yeah. Um, so the other thing that I'm working on is I need to. Upgrade the MPT driver to be able to take, make use of the SAS technology that is upcoming. So the LSI folks were so friendly to send me two HPAs and some drives. So I can actually, uh, get that done. But as I said, I've been sidetracked with other stuff. And another thing that I really want to go do and, and Theo is actually sort of prodding me in that direction because he wants it is, uh, for me to start adding some more RAID controllers to the, uh, bio stuff. So the RAID management tools. Sure. These are the, I guess, the generic RAID management tool that OpenBSD is starting to implement rather than using vendor-specific RAID control? That's correct. That, that's one of my things that I wrote. So I, I, but that one was actually written for 3.8. So that one was from the previous release, but the idea is it's actually very simple. So if you look at the RAID controllers, despite the, the vast differences that they really have, if you look at it from a very basic perspective, they, they sort of offer exactly the same functionality. So what BioCuddle does is it gives you a, a very sane, very simple way of making sure that your RAID stack is intact and working correctly. And if it's not, it gives you the tools to actually replace a disk, uh, have it rebuilt, and, and everything is without a single reboot. So the idea is you can have a drive failure and recover from it without ever leaving or, or without even rebooting the machine. And does that make sense? Yeah, and to make it clear for people, this is for hardware, not software RAID. That is correct. That is, yeah, so that's a, a good caveat to make. So maybe at some point, uh, we might merge those, but, but that's, that would be a long time away because that, that's a lot of work. Well, I guess I'd just like to remind everyone to, uh, go and check out the OpenBSD project, purchase some CDs or t-shirts, and bug your wealthy corporate overlords to donate some money to the hackathons. <laughs> That's right. Actually, can I can I make one more last? Oh, thing? absolutely. Say one last thing about that. Um, one thing that a lot of people don't seem to realize is that uh, OpenSSH is uh, is obviously the, the big product coming out of the OpenBSD community. 
And uh, I, I'd contend that anyone that uh, OpenSSH is more widely used than, than Mozilla, for example. Again, going back to the, don the donations, we are not seeing any revenue uh, coming out of it. So uh, we are basically unable to pay for the SSH bills, which is kind of crazy because there's literally millions of people using it every day. Think Cisco switches, think AIX, think OSX, right? So there's some very popular platforms out there that everybody uses, and they, everybody basically takes OpenSSH for granted. And so if you find some corporate overlords that actually would like to finance that, we would be more than willing to speak to you. Oh, great. Well, thank you very much for speaking with me today. And maybe we'll catch up with you guys uh, again after the next release. Okay. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. If you'd like to leave comments on the website, you can find it at bsdtalk.blogspot.com. Or if you'd like to send me an email, you can reach me at bitgeist at yahoo.com. That's B-I-T-G-E-I-S-T at yahoo.com.